Okay. Grab a bucket and a mop. This is a wet ass podcast. Okay. Oh, hey, 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 everyone. Thank you. <laughs> hey, this is the Late Late Capitalism Show. Uh, as you can tell, we're, we're going to use expletives on this show. Uh, I am your uh, main host, Dean. And to my right... Well, I'm not good at directions. Um, <laughs> hello, I'm dyslexic. Uh, also, I'm dripping wet, I'm moist, I'm coated, you know, whatever term you want to use. This will be what many are saying, the wettest podcast to hit the airwaves ever. <laughs> yeah. And my actual name is Jesse. And I'm going to actually throw it across to the only person at the table that can get wet, Chance. <laughs> <laughs> ass so dry, they call me dry ass. What's up, folks? It's me, Chance. To my right is... Megan. Thank you for. I listening. like the idea, like sort of like. Uh, I'm sorry, but I like the idea of like a wet podcast. Like you put like your earphones in, you hit play, and your and you're just like just you know, like your damp. your ears fill with water. So like you just jumped in a pool, and you have to like jump up on like with your head to the side, That's like get the water out. It's called ASMR. Yeah, but it's like our pussy juice. <laughs> <laughs> In your ear, yeah, that's what this podcast is. I get there, yeah. <laughs> and this is the this is the episode you show your friends that you when you tell them you listen to a really cool podcast. Yeah, that's you guys from gotta there, check, yeah. yeah, check out like whatever the new episode is. It's gonna be great, yeah. man. Okay, you know those stats on Spotify where it's like how many people started and how many people listen for longer than a minute. This is gonna be one of those ones where yeah. no one listens for longer than a minute. Uh, feeling so. kind of hypoglycemic. Cool. Can someone get me a pack of pussy juice? Strong <laughs> <laughs> though. Uh, we're not going to be talking about pussy juice all that much on today's show. We have, once again, a little grab bag of topics. I'm going to be handling the international news beat with one story that I would say uh, is mostly positive, and you're going to hear me uh, tap dancing on the grave of empire. And then one story that is uh, horrible. Uh, there is no yeah. redeeming qualities to it. So I'm going to ask you guys, which one do you want me to good go first. through first? You want good first? Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Long-time listeners of the show are aware that we have discussed the Bolivia situation a couple different times from a couple yeah, different angles. Yeah, they got taken over by a go- uh, girl boss. That's true. Yeah. Uh, so they had an election in 2018, which was won by the man who is now back in power, Evo Morales, Bolivia's first indigenous president. But the OAS, which is an group that certifies fair and free elections in South America uh-huh. said, oh, uh, no, he won illegally by using uh, socialism powers or something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's literally too nice to voters. jungle voodoo. That's right. So they had him ousted, and in his place they installed uh, Janine Añez, who is... In like a sort of cartoonish fascist. coup. Yes, that literally happened. tanks rolling yeah. in the streets. And we're like, she like strolls into their equivalent of like parliament, like the halls of power, yeah. and... What was destroyed or like took down so like native anything or referring to in Bolivia's indigenous population, which is a good chunk of their population. Yeah, I think it's in like thirty percent. No, it's more than that. Oh yeah, yeah. I can look up those stats. You keep going. But she comes in. She swears herself in on a comically big Bible, and she essentially says we're going to bring Christianity back to Bolivia, which should send alarm bells off in every part of your brain. Yeah. Uh, She's like bringing Christianity to South America involved a lot more than Bible study. has gone really well. A lot of people got free silver installed on the inside of their throat, which is great. (laughs) 
basically declared that it was over for the indigenous people in Bolivia, numbers of which are disproportionate to what you would think. It is 40 uh, to 70%. Yeah, either 40 to 70, 20 to 60. Pretty much, it either goes from like a high minority to a large majority of the population. Yeah, of the population. So this is a very clear coup to install. A minority, as in there are far fewer people with Janine Agnese's beliefs than there are indigenous people or Mm -hmm. people that voted for MAS, the party that is explicitly socialist in its aims and means. So this was an American-backed coup to install. Wait, I'm sorry. And you know what's fun? What makes you think that it's an American coup? Uh, well... There's this thing called historical precedent. Do you know that in the 1970s, almost 50 years to the day, the U.S. ousted a democratically elected socialist by the name of Juan Torres and replaced him with uh, Gonzer, sorry, Bonzer, who was a military dictator who was responsible for the deaths of thousands of people in Bolivia and became like the nodestone for imperialism in that part of South America. Yeah, there's also, like, the fact that you look at the U.S., like, media machine, like, the Times, WAPO, uh, all of these, uh, like, op-eds and, like, straight up, like, not even opinion pieces, but, like, journalism. Propaganda. Yeah, like, saying, like, oh, like, you know, democracy has come to Bolivia. Like, oh, there's a a strong woman in power. There are op-eds. It's like, what's happening in Bolivia is right. This is, like, resetting democracy in South America. Essentially, to these people, it justifies the idea of like government implement or international intervention right yeah exactly where it's like no no look at like we've done good this is our whole role as a strong nation is to help other nations become strong then when we came back to the story we talked about it from the angle of elon musk just straight up tweeting out that like we will coup whoever we want to in reference to bolivia's lithium deposits extensive lithium deposits of which is exploding cars required to operate (laughs) as well as numerous other u.s interests and and the reason the reason why uh, such big names as Elon Musk have an interest in who's in power in Bolivia is because Evo Morales and his government put forth, they essentially wanted to regulate any income made off of any kind of resource extraction mm-hmm. in the country was going to go back into like infrastructure and also like the people in the country. Yeah. They were going so to, it was going to be essentially like any kind of resource extraction was like a, a public good mm-hmm. that would be put back into infrastructure. It's not like a private company that would make money off of it. Yeah. They yeah. Were and all of that money going into us pockets. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Yeah. So finally a nice, so they actually did everything they could to forestall an actual election in which Luis Arce, who was working representing Evo Morales, the democratically elected and then ousted president of Bolivia. Yeah, exiled. Yeah, and Inez and her party were doing everything possible to delay this election, claiming, oh, it's for COVID purposes. Oh, it's for this. It's The weather's not good. We're going to save it for another day. <laughs> Eventually, they <laughs> oh, finally my hurts. had to have this fucking election, and Inez got stomped. It wasn't even close. Yeah. Evo Morales was put back into power. And now, as of March of 2021, Janine Añez and her collaborators within her government have been arrested and charged with sedition <laughs> and plotting terrorism. Bye-bye, sweetie. They found Lots of her. very schadenfreudic images of her being led away in head cuff- she was handcuffs. In handcuffs. a little kitty cat t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was like her pajamas. was hiding in like a false couch. She was in like the Nathan for you sex box <laughs> that you put in the hotel room. They literally lifted it up and like the, the officers that found her were like giving a thumbs up next to Hell her. Hell yeah. 
And then the le- <laughs> last picture I saw, other than her being taken in with the kitty cat shirt, was just her in like a tiny jail cell, just like staring daggers. At I know. The I was wondering if they're so gonna really like cool. that's a real jail cell. It looked like it was the size of a person standing up. And of <laughs> it course, seemed a little cruel. We I then have know. the classic conundrum where it's like, oh, you're celebrating, you're celebrating a carceral state. It's like, here's the deal: these people have been doing this to leftists in that country and countries all across the world for literally fifty fucking years. You're damn right. I'm celebrating when an imperialist fucking piece of shit gets what they have fucking coming to them. Hell is yeah. too kind a place for these people. I hope they spend the rest of their lives with worms in their fucking eyes and every <laughs> orifice filled with goddamn hot coal. These fucking little maggots deserve everything that's coming to them, and I am thrilled. And it's it's extremely extremely easy to you know be a, a leftist on Twitter and be like, yeah, I'm all for prison abolition. I'm all for X, Y, Z. I'm also a Stalinist. Yeah. Uh, you know, like, like if you actually want to, you know, change, like have a, a, a revolution uh, and like change the way your government works, that will necessitate at the very least imprisoning the people who have collaborated, collaborated to, to like maintain this. Uh, you know, oppressive uh, colonial state that you live under. Yeah. And the idea that like, oh, we can destroy this colonial state, but also everyone who uh, has profited off of it can remain free and just do whatever. They'll buy in. They'll support it. No, yeah. Yeah, they're going to join us. Yeah. Like, you can't have your cake and eat it, too. I think that's you know? a, that goes back to, like, the idea of, like, the Ouroboros snake, right? Where mm-hmm. it's, like, prison abolition means I also am anti-punishment of any kind, mm-hmm. which doesn't necessarily mean the case. A lot of the time it means you're pro-justice and you realize that, you know, the prison system and, you know, the, the police system and all of that uh, doesn't actually bring about justice. So when justice kind of comes out even in the smallest terms and maybe not even necessarily how you want it to or how it would like fit your philosophy as much as it could if it just happens even a little bit and you get a little taste of that justice it feels pretty damn sweet yeah and like it's also interesting i find the crime that people get put away for is like person to person crime kind of whereas then which Obviously, I'm for prison abolition on on that kind of scale. But then when you when you are talking about like these big architects of like misery yeah, and, and imperialism and colonialism, yeah. and then it's like, well, what is the punishment for that kind of thing? Like they've caused death. So Dare like, to, yeah, I was gonna say yeah. mass death, mass like, suffering. Yeah, not even just like a one on one murder. Like they've caused mass death. Yeah, yeah. We, we'll still have and those people get put on pennies. I was gonna say when. Uh, when the prisons get torn down, we'll still have market squares for yeah for a certain yeah. reason. But like, yeah, I think yes. like, and we could talk about this for hours. It's like general like Western philosophy has a really difficult time dealing with the idea of like punishment and rehabilitation and like the the whole idea of how we deal with crime and punishment in the West. It's complete. Like, how can you atone for your sins? In the West, you can't, you know, yeah. like you go to prison yeah. and then you come out of prison and you're, you're an ex-con and you can't get the right jobs and you can't leave the country and all these things. Like there's no coherent philosophy for dealing with that, which is a, like a whole other issue we could talk about forever. Mm-hmm. But I think a lot of this comes down to 
there's a, a lot of talk, especially in like liberal circles, of leftists never being satisfied uh, and like all always having something to critique, <laughs> and uh, and uh, like a lot of that is just like oh like liberals yeah. will like roll over for whoever and like will not stand up for their principles. Right. But I think a, a, an amount of it is that uh, leftist philosophy is, is there are a myriad different like twists and turns that you can take. Leftist is a major, like a massively broad category, which like has both Stalinists who want to send people to gulags and anarchists who like want to destroy all prisons. Yeah. Uh, so when like the people say like, oh, leftists are na- never satisfied because leftists is a, an extremely diverse group of people that have a lot of different wants and needs. I think it's also the fact that like when you're fighting for basic fucking human equality, even if you get a victory, you know that it's not going to be enshrined forever because as soon as the other side gets into power, they're going to use everything in their power in their fucking means to destroy it. Something considered to be like a touchstone of progressivism in the United States. Roe versus Wade is not Oh, it's gone in our generation. Yeah. Because they've packed the courts to destroy it. So part of that needs to be the fact that if you do start settling and resting on your haunches, everything you built is going to be taken away from you by the dumbest and cruelest fucking people imaginable. Yeah, you have to fight like a hungry dog every single day. You're damn right you shouldn't be satisfied because the second you you get satisfied and you stop working, you're going to lose whatever meager gains you have. Yeah, the, the, the psychology around feeling good about certain things happening, even if it doesn't necessarily fit how you have been critical of the world doesn't mean that you have some form of cognitive dissonance, right? Like you can, you can both be celebrating Anya's is going to jail, right? You can both be like, man, that's kind of dope. And also be critical of the idea of jails. Like you can, you can, you can do that and don't have to be wholehearted necessarily one way or the other. I think the big thing is to always just be thinking about it. Right. And how you feel about certain things, especially before you try to make an argument or try to convince other people about certain things or certain ways about stuff. Like, it's always good to just be a little reflective of how you feel emotionally about things sometimes. And this paired with the failed U.S. coup in Venezuela, Uh we really are in the CIA's flop era because in the Mm. 1970s, Operation fucking Condor, which is what killed a lot of these democratically elected leaders throughout South America. Like this fucking 30-year campaign of terror spearheaded by the CIA and supported by fucking five sitting presidents. And now you have Operation Gideon, which was launched by Alberta's finest soldier, Jordan Goudreau, (laughs) in which he posted before doing it about invading fucking Venezuela and taking it over just so he and his goon squad could get get arrested on a beach. By fishermen. By, like, not even, like, (laughs) martially trained people. If you need a proof (laughs) that the American empire is on its last legs other than the sundowning president and, you know, the fact their society is collapsing in general, hey, the inability of the CIA to take down countries that are one one trillionth the size of the United States is a pretty good omen of that. To end off on Bolivia, I want to award a first-time award for the podcast. Janine Añez, you are Jesse's soon-to-be Corpse of the Week. Hey. Oh. Hey, yo. Do we think that's actually going to happen, though? I'm going to do it. No. Uh, <laughs> I hope so. Parody. I hope so. Uh, talking... We're, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just going to say, we're allowed to talk about 
convicts in that way, Megan. She's yeah. <laughs> she's an inmate. She's not a person. Yeah, yeah. You, yeah. You can keep that in. That's what yeah. I've been told. Uh, no, but it, it, important thing as well. Uh, remember, it matters what background of the incarcerated person is. If it's you know a million poor people being sacrificed to do free labor for the government, yeah, that's bad. If it's one rich lady with a kitty cat shirt who wants to uh, genocide fucking 3.5 million people i'm not gonna cry over it oh hell yeah yeah and that's good uh now speaking of non-people you you want to talk about the bobbies oh yeah this is a story that is a nightmare the bobbies bobbies no not boobies that is megan do better Uh, (laughs) what are you guys talking about to shift our lens from bolivia and a good thing that happened yeah to the uk and oh mm -hmm. Uh, uh, like going from a prospering nation to a failing one. that's right we're going from a third world the developed world to the innsmouth world i don't know uh yeah like i i feel like it's sort of mean to fish people to say that but the fish people got shit done Mm mm-hmm not not like bloody bars. <laughs> <laughs> so let's hear about it. On a more somber note, uh, this is a story that has been developing in the UK, but it's also a story that's going to be familiar to much of our, especially female listenership, which is the story of Sarah Everard, who, and this is I'm using the terminology that has been used. She quote did everything right in the sense that. She wore sensible shoes. She texted her friend. She was on the phone to another person as she was walking home late at night in South London. She never made it home. She disappeared, presumed to be kidnapped. But a week later, they find her body. Shortly after that, they charge a man by the name of Wayne Cousins, who was a metropolitan police officer with her kidnap and alleged murder. And of course, in the wake of this event that, I mean, just sounds so familiar at this point... There were, of course, desires for rallies to be held. Rallies, yep. which I should also note that were well within the COVID nineteen guidelines yep. in the sense that protests against police was distancing. It was it was take back the night rallies, which yeah, it was like a more of a vigil to be honest. Exactly. But yeah, it, yeah, like, honestly, take yeah, back yeah. the night marches in general. And if yeah, you've ever but... been to a take back the night march, they're you know very powerful and it's a strong statement of solidarity, mostly done on a community level. Uh, the organizers. There were multiple ones, but we're going to talk about the one in London in particular. There was one event, one vigil that ran without issue. They got the permits. They didn't have any kind of problems with the local police force there. But the one in London, there was a lot of pushback from the police because this was going to attract a very large crowd. It should also be noted that the UK's policing force is very, let's say, inconsistent when they choose to enforce COVID rules versus not COVID rules. There were EDL, English Defense League rallies, which you had people that weren't wearing masks because they don't believe COVID is real, just fucking stomping around, doing whatever they like, no police interference. Mm -hmm. Then you get this vigil, which officially was canceled because the organizers were like, I don't want to fucking deal with these stupid fucking cops. Yeah. But people still showed up because of course they're going to show up. You are protesting injustice. You are protesting a man who worked for the police force that is overseeing this vigil. In fact, when the police showed up to this vigil, they started shouting, arrest your own. Mm -hmm. And a number of other various things. Of course, as any situation involving the police does, it escalated. And the police were the ones that escalated it. Well, I'm going to disagree here. I feel like it's more the fact that the cops generally 
just sort of know when things are about to get violent yeah. and out of hand, and they always show up exactly when things get out of hand. Well, we like uh-huh. that, yeah. that just makes more sense. We like to be preactive. We're active with preteens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want to be reactive. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, so these pigmen. These cops started arresting people, dragging them off, beating them. They said it was because there were violations of COVID policies. It should be noted that Kate Up, not Kate Upton. <laughs> I, have, I have her on hey my now. mind for a thing. Uh, but the Duchess, whatever her name is, the fucking Middleton. useless royal one. Yeah, Kate, whatever. She showed up, no mask, reveled, and left. That was fine. But for whatever reason, the cops decided enough is enough. They started arresting women, dragging them away. The police, and this is an official response put out by their union, said that they stopped the rally because it had been infiltrated by Antifa and XR. That's right. Oh, fuck. This is What's XR? Re- Extinction Rebellion. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. Well, that's an all. The people that do fucking, they do like performance art in yes. like the middle yeah. of the street. No, that's a CIA op. No. no, no okay, I we can get like in. Yeah, we can, well, that's, an episode, that's a different episode. <laughs> you know what? Yeah. We'll have this argument another time. Everyone, respect shut the fuck up <laughs> so the cops doing the most tired and cliche things that yeah it was brilliantifo foot it was so they decided that's a fine reason for them to what beat part the of shit. england is this uh the one where the cops are pigs so yeah the, the 60 iq region so england Every, everywhere but wales and north ireland okay the, the two most powerful provinces in the union yeah so the cops, of course, crack down on everybody. And in the wake of this, there's been a lot of responses. Some are op-ed pieces saying, oh, the police did the right thing they did. But most of them are normal people that are like, this is fucked up. This is so fucking stupid. Yeah. Now, also occurring around the same time, there's a piece of legislature that's making its way through the British Parliament that would outlaw any kind of social gathering and allow the police to crack down on any kind of gathering, ostensibly for COVID purposes. Yeah, so, like, it particular, like, I read the letter of this law, and it's got a maximum sentence uh, for individuals of uh, 10 years. Oh, yes. my God. 10 years. Basically, if you're part of a protest that causes damage to property, uh, threatens to kill or injure someone, or, and this is the, the kicker here, causes annoyance. Yeah. You can, if you, ca- quote, cause annoyance, which is not defined at all no. in the letter of the law, you, know what it means. you yeah. could get 10 years in prison. And so there's been a lot of pushback. Uh, there's been, you know, petitions signed, including ones that have been signed by Liberty, Big Brother Watch, Unite, and Violence Against Women Coalition, Unlock Democracy, Extinction Rebellion, and other local groups. Oh. Also included in this crime bill, and this is what the Tories have used to defend it. They're like, oh, but we also included provisions about cracking down on child molesters and rapists. So if you <laughs> challenge this bill, you are essentially pro-rapist. That's literally been their response. Yeah. To which everybody's been like, what mm. the fuck? I was going to say, like, oh, you know, like famously, the people that we go really easy on in the society, child molesters and rapists. But then I remembered we were talking about England. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing. It is so clear that these draconian crime bills that stress punishment and enforcement do not work to curb sexual assaults because they keep fucking happening. Also, like, especially by the people supposed to enforce these laws. Yeah, this Sarah Everett story is obviously very sad, and like, it does happen. But the vast majority of like of violence against women is domestic violence, anyway. So, like, I don't understand like how this law would possibly 
it's not a violence against women bill. No. It's not even, it's not a domestic violence bill. It's just like bad rapists. It's like, okay. And it's like, and at that point, if it's clear that these punishments and this enforcement doesn't work and it's even the threat of like, Oh, you know what happens to rapists and child molesters on the inside? It doesn't stop these things from happening, which means that you need to start tweaking your fucking lens and realize, Oh, maybe it's a cultural thing. Maybe it's the fact that this is just ingrained in our fucking culture and hardwired into us to see women as less or to assert male dominance. Whatever the fucking reasoning is, it is clear that draconian punishments don't work in curbing these kinds of things. And this is a living example. Well, and it certainly doesn't work when you're hiring the people that are doing the abusing. Beating their wives, killing people randomly. It's just a phenomenally sad thing. And it's another thing that we've touched on in this show where it's like you need to be careful in cheering these kind of bills that provide, you know, overwhelming power to the government or the police to enforce what seems like, oh, public good. Oh, it's good. Yeah. We don't have these big rallies. Yeah. You get COVID. scared by one event or like like we were saying a few months ago with the, the Capitol Hill riots, like, oh, these scary Nazis or these like scary uh, mm-hmm. conservatives. Uh, are like trying to coup the government, so we have to yeah. do Patriot Act yeah. too. Yeah, I'm glad the I'm glad the FBI is going to these people's houses and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. And it's like you got to be real fucking careful with that because yeah. they can they can decide to crack down yeah, on the anything. The FBI is my friend for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah. Famously yeah, fucking idiot. Morally yeah. fucking sound FBI. But that's the thing; these frameworks are put in place, and then. It does not take long before they are used against you. It's already been used against the fucking people that are on the fucking good side of things. Yeah. That's why they cracked down on this goddamn rally. And, and that's that's not even like fear mongering, right? No. It's not like, oh, you know, this is like the uh, slippery slope fallacy and like, oh, if it's happening to them, it's going to happen to you. It's like, <laughs> it's more just the fact that if you look historically, the amount of times that the police or whatever governing power will side with certain like extremists Mm -hmm. on either side, right? They're always going to be more lenient with the side that fits their agenda. And what side is that? I wonder. Right? The side that's, you know, talking about blue lives matter in the street and shit like that. Cops are friends with Nazis? Yeah, yeah. Weird, eh? It's almost like they go hand in hand. But, um, you know, and, and, and that's always how it is because they don't actually see them as opposition. No. Like we talk about oppositional politics a lot on here and people like talking about politics as a game, right? Like their side is down and our side is up and like as if it's like a football match. But, you know, and you can get really you can get really caught up in that idea. But the scary part about it is that when people have the power that they can abuse get caught up in that idea mm-hmm. and they fucking use it right so you have to be very careful and very strategic with how much uh you're willing to give them to use because a lot of the times they will try to spin it in some way to use it against you especially if you're critical of what they're doing like if if you critique what they're doing they they will fucking crack down on you they will invent a reason yeah. to fucking get you. The only crime bill that elected should support is a putting Bill Clinton in jail for the many crimes he has done. That's the only crime bill that fucking matters. Yeah. Anything else, do not cheer it, even if it's being used to persecute, you know, the Proud Boys or yeah. uh, the Wexit Freedom Movement or, you know, whatever cause celeb on the right. Do not 
agree with this because I guarantee the second they're done mopping up whatever human excrement they're dealing with on that side, they're going to turn to you and it's going to be 10 times worse. Yeah. Like we were talking before about like the idea of like an anti-terror bill. And th- and then what it comes down to is not only is it anti-terror against civilians, but here in Canada, it's uh, anti-terror in regard to economy and property, public mm-hmm. property and private property. And then you realize, right, that what seems like common sense and how you think it's going to be used is never how it's actually put into place. How it's put into place is, you know, surveillance state shit, keeping tabs on everyone who might disagree or not go with the plan. They do not care about the people that back them. Those, Those people get a pass every time, every fucking time. That's just how it works. So that's typical news from the UK front, a fucking country where everything there is terrible. The one good thing they ever had in Jeremy Corbyn, they painted as an anti-Semitic monster. And uh, hey, soon enough, they'll sink into the sea. Uh, They can return from whence they came. (laughs) The deepest, darkest depths of the throne of the old God. Yeah. And we can only hope it's sooner rather than later. And that only Wales and Northern Ireland will be left floating. Amen. Stop leaving out Scotland. This is so rude. Yeah. Wales and Northern Ireland. Yeah. The only two. <laughs> the two saving graces. Because they're the only two that stood up to empire. Obviously, <laughs> with, uh, <laughs> with the IRA. And then Wales, uh, just its mere existence. With their yeah, they have a dragon on the flag. That's, that's right. Pretty cool. That dragon actually defends them from the British BBC that's right. pedophiles. Their language in itself scared off the imperialists. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, these guys are talking like a, a bloody Bobsy they is. <laughs> and like, Bobsy is some kind of slur. That's actually where the, the character Bubsy came from. Yeah. Oh, really? The most hated slur of all. So <laughs> that's why those two countries are exempt. But the rest of the UK will sink into the sea. That's just England and Scotland. This is bullying. Speaking of uh, <laughs> terrible collections of no good filth, let's talk about telecom. Wow, that's crazy. You should mention telecom. It's almost like I have a whole segment prepped on it. Wow. Telecom. Tele- thank you. <laughs> okay, that's so how they say it in England. I don't know if that's everyone... Is there. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, the telecom. Oh, Papa Teddy, come on. <laughs> I don't know if everyone hey, saw... Hey, Papa. Dean! Switch on my telecom for me. <laughs> anyway. Okay, can I... like... Because it's like... I will porn, kill it's like you. television come. Yeah, yeah, that's the funny yeah. part. All right. Okay. Come rocks. The news this week was that Rogers and Shaw are merging. So Rogers is currently our third biggest media conglomerate of communications, and Shaw is the fourth. Um, They're going to become Shawgers. Shaw is the fourth? What does Shaw own other than like... It's all in Western Canada, so we we don't really see it here. Okay, cool. Um, It's a $26 billion merger, uh, and it will create... It will make Rogers Shaw uh, the second largest, so they'll jump ahead of TELUS. Is Bell number one? Bell's number one, yeah. So a lot of the stats I'm going to start with here are from Don Pittis at the CBC. Um, So this merger could spur the government to create more regulation, um, which they have been in talks to do for a while, but haven't. What? Um, the, the Trudeau government? The regulation in question is to allow smaller independent companies to use the cell towers and pipelines and wires put in place by the big three. Right. Um, because basically the issue we have right now is that the, the media networks that the big three have set up are 
genuinely impossible for another company to recreate right. because they've been doing it for so many years and investing so many billions yeah, of dollars into it that it would just be literally impossible. How this would work is if they did, if they were forced to open up access to it, it would mean that smaller companies could buy wholesale access to the infrastructure and then sell their own coverage at their own price points. Uh, this is already the case with how internet works. There's no other infrastructure companies other than Bell, Telus, and Rogers, and it used to be literally only Bell. Um, and no, so no one else can afford to create a similar infrastructure. So smaller internet companies like Kojiko and things like that, although Kojiko is actually partially owned by Rogers anyway, yes. um, are allowed to use the wires and pipelines for the internet as of right now. And the U.S. is has already done this for cell phone companies and m most other like industrialized nations have this as their, their cell phone plans, but we are lagging because they strong arm the government constantly. Yeah. Um, and, and I also wrote here, these privately owned cell towers and wires and pipelines or everything are essential for life in Canada at this point, like oh, in yeah. order to not have a cell phone or access to the internet, that's like, roads it, it's literally like, yeah, like this I, massive infrastructure that your jobs are dependent on schooling like anything even even the most like you know like menial or like like even like you know classic like service industry jobs like you know i work in the service industry and if i didn't have access to the internet i would not be able to do my job mm -hmm. yeah everything's so dependent on yeah. it now mm -hmm. uh, and i'm sure like folks working in like construction and other like similar like you know blue collar working class jobs you still need the internet to function and a cell phone yeah, yeah. when they're in Definitely. that hole standing around it's cuz one guy has porno on his phone and they all <laughs> need to look at it together <laughs> yeah that's right <laughs> and i want to live in a world where they all have their own phone they can look at their own porno while they're together, on the job. Together. Pulling, yeah. pulling smushed darts out from under their, their hard hats. <laughs> That's a true thing, by the way. So the TELUS CEO, in response to these laws that they have to forcibly open up their infrastructure to smaller companies, said that if the CRTC imposed mobile virtual network operators, which is what that's called, on TELUS, operators. the company would cut 5,000 jobs and $1 billion in investment as revenge, basically. Um, so this is the kind of thing they tell the government, which is why regulation yeah doesn't Ex happen extremely cool it, that like when i hear that i'm like oh yeah it makes sense that that's a legal thing to do yeah, or yeah. even like threaten to do i was gonna say and most of the yeah. time it ends up being a total bluff because they yeah. don't want to lose that money no like that like, like they they, like they don't do have, lay off people all the time they but certainly yeah, but lay off do people. that anyway they do it yeah. anyway yeah. yeah they do it anyway um tell us also claims we do not need the smaller companies because the market is already extremely competitive prices are actually quite affordable contrary oh, to popular off. belief literally the highest in the world they yeah. are the highest yeah. in in the western Put world gun, basically. yeah yeah gun and mouth <laughs> and the arrival of these new companies would set back the deployment of 5g networks so Good. he says it's bad and we can't do it. Yeah, well, this is a win-win-win. <laughs> yeah, you want the friggin' virus out of Canada? <laughs> <laughs> Um, we already have the some of the world's highest cell phone and internet yes. costs. Basically, for a country of our size and infrastructure, we do have the highest yeah, um, internet costs. Absolutely. So the two companies, Rogers and Shaw, are saying that they are doing this merger to help them build 5G networks because they are like Couldn't an East and otherwise. West duo and they're going to combo and share yeah. all their money and build 5G towers everywhere. And Rogers had said that, don't worry, guys, it will not increase the cost to Freedom customers for at least three years. So oh, that was great. their little nugget of don't worry. The girl knows freedom commercials though. She can get it. Yeah, that's, she can get that's it. chill. In the freedom yeah. commercial. I yeah. don't even know if I've seen the freedom donk. commercial. Yeah. Got her hair up all nice. Yeah. You love to see it. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. Sounds good. If you're the freedom girl and you're listening to this, <laughs> please. 
Forget uh, the voiced ass podcast thing or whatever. Yeah, is. yeah. Don't forget <laughs> the like the first half hour of this show, please. Yeah, we I'll, take that I'll back. Excerpt. I'll put this on YouTube and just say, please, freedom woman. <laughs> Woman. Uh, the government actually gets a say in whether the deal will be approved, but the Roger CEO says he is confident that it will be. I cannot imagine the government being like, no. Yeah, because he dropped off like 50 slaves to Trudeau's house. Yeah, yeah. Um, they also, Sean Rogers, claim that it will allow them to get faster internet to rural and indigenous communities, and it will create <gasps> jobs in building infrastructure, um, which that. I think they Merger's said- Rogers famously great at creating kind of, jobs. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so right now, the big three, which was before this merger, so this doesn't include Shaw, control 89.2% of the wireless market. It used to actually be 91%. Oh. And it's gone down a little bit. That's Great. cool. That's nine more percent. And... The author hints in this article that both Shaw and Rogers are family controlled. So I looked into this. I I didn't Ooh. actually look into it super well for Rogers, but Shaw is a family company, uh, and the CEO right now is Brad Shaw, which I thought was very funny. Oh, like the wrestler. <laughs> yeah, Brad Shaw. <laughs> yes. uh, I was thinking. I was actually going back to wrestling when you said Rogers and Shaw were going back together, and you said, "What did you say, Shodgers yeah, or something?" Someone said Shodgers. Yeah, Shodgers. And I was like, "What if they did? They were like, you know, coming this summer, raw, and like <laughs> they go like with full like wrestling outfit, That's like cool. looking and stuff." So, I, yeah. I thought that would I, be I'm mostly cool. just really upset that one of the like the richest and most powerful men in this country is named Brad Shaw. <laughs> That's know. just revolting but it reminds me so much of succession just as giant media family but they so, only own wireless communications in western canada rogers but. i i looked into rogers right before we before we came out today it is a family business you could say in 1925 edward s rogers senior <laughs> it's just such a good name that's a classic name invented the world's first ac heater filament cathode for a radio tube which then enabled radios to be powered by ordinary transformer coupled household electric current wow. that's so he made it so you could have like radios in your home he was like the inventor of that and then uh and then he kept like making vacuums or some shit and then he he passed it off to his son when he was dying and his son's name is ted ted rogers, yes, ted rogers. and he he was a member of sigma chi which Uh-oh. which has like I went on a, I honestly spent a lot of time with Sigma Chi, but that has nothing to do with our <laughs> show. I was like looking it up and I was like, who the fuck are these freaks? These and like, like look jack off on coffins. Oh yeah. Like, it was crazy stuff. Like it's classic stuff. And they have like, you know, 20 of their members have Emmys and like Brad Pitt is a member and like all this shit. It's, Uh-oh. it's really weird stuff. Uh, <laughs> Ted Rogers was in the pussy posse. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, old 95 year old man. And then, and then, uh, he passed away in like 2008 yes. and then gave it, like split to his children or something like that and like he was a philanthropist and like you can't see anything bad ever said about this man (laughs) um but it was really funny because one of the things that i found that rogers did was that i think it was in 95 and i couldn't find anything else about this but there was it was either 95 or 2001 and i'm sorry i i can't remember off the top of my head but there was um essentially what was called the the truth act or something along those lines, which made it so that you couldn't false advertise in Canada. And and it like further extended those rules. And then he filed like a lawsuit because he was penalized for violating it and said that it goes against like 
you know the, the constitu- of advertising. He goes. He said it goes against constitutional rights as like a Canadian <laughs> to lie. <laughs> yeah, the right yeah. to lie as an advertiser. And um, the funny thing about that is you can't find many articles about it on the internet, and most of the places that hosted the articles have been wiped. What? Um, so it's you know it's <laughs> weird weird to see because Rogers does own like pretty much like again we were talking Ontario. about like most telecommunications things <laughs> them and bell i also love the right? idea that they own most of the canadian internet so they like can tell other countries just like hey delete this from the internet i'll <laughs> yeah. do something bad to the canadian like, <laughs> customer rogers bought the entirety of like the media sector in kingston like yeah. all the radio all mm. the tv all the fucking internet. not cfrc though baby That's true. Well, i was just about we to, ask. Going to buy them that, yeah, that's what the GoFundMe is. We've been is saving up. We need seventy-five mil- billion dollars. <laughs> if, if you, the listener, <laughs> so like when when people talk about like big tech worldwide and stuff like that, and like these Silicon Valley type things, like the that's this is our version of that, right? With like Rogers and Bell. Except well, we have just, it worse than like yeah. every. Oh other no, company, definitely, yeah. definitely. It's it's like a monopoly here. Yeah, like they pretend that there's all these little brands, but we all know they're owned by like because we have like Freedom and yeah and Kudo and, and Tech Savvy Fido, but they're all owned by Bell and Rogers and Telus. Tech yeah. Savvy is under Bell, and yeah. it's so funny because they're not actually an affiliate of Bell, but they have to buy Bell lines. And if you go on the Tech Savvy blog, like once a month, they tell you how shitty Bell is, <laughs> and like we'll be like Bell this month tried to make charge us more to use their lines, and we said go fuck yourself and. Uh, we're not doing it but like just a heads up if you get blackouts this month mm. that's because they're gonna cut our service and Damn. like they're they're kind of cool to one degree but on the other hand it's like you guys are doing some like petty business shit yeah like just give people internet by now yeah and that's why i don't know what do you have a solution proposed for all this I, bullshit? i will get to it but speaking of bell dean do you want to do your bell background yes i would love to do my bell background <laughs> so In the mid-1870s, Alexander Graham Bell invents the telephone, and it's sort of been downhill since then. (laughs) Uh, Terrible move. Yeah, no. Fish crawling out of the water and screaming, get back (laughs) in. get the fuck back. That's me at Alexander Graham Bell. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so Bell um, was a... He called himself a a scientist. He He hated the whole, like, business aspect of... The telephone, even though everyone saw that there was a ton of money to be made in this. So he gave all of the Canadian patent rights uh, to his father, who then turned around and sold them to the American National Telephone Company, which became Bell Telephone uh, or like the Bell Company. Facts about Alexander Graham Bell that I'd love to share with you. One that uh, I was uh, really surprised by, actually. He, his whole life was really interested in the human voice and language. One of his like projects and the reason that he invented the telephone was that he was trying to figure out a way to eradicate deaf people from the population. Oh, uh, I like the way he, you phrase uh, that. Yeah, no, like he was, ve- he was a little, uh, oh, a, a no. lot like in the deaf community nowadays, he's seen as this villain because his whole uh, thing was like yeah. uh, deaf, <laughs> deafness is a disease that must be eradicated. And uh, Damn. like he invented the telephone as sort of like a side effect, a, a byproduct of him trying to make it so deaf people could hear. Anyway, he was really interested in the human voice and languages. 
and he uh, interacted with a lot of Mohawk people, uh, learned the Mohawk language, and translated their unwritten vocabulary into, uh, quote, visible speech symbols. And he was awarded uh, the title of honorary chief uh, and participated in uh, traditional dances and ceremonies in Mohawk headdress. Oh, he's enthusiastic about his <laughs> costume. <costumes. his> face. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very strange. Uh, this is all reported like by white people. I could not find an indigenous source for this information. This, I want to look into that. Yeah, <laughs> because because. Uh, we do have a written language that we didn't before, but I've never known the full history of it, and it'd be really fucking weird if that's where it was. It Alexander Grambell, yeah, because yeah. he he really screwed us with that one. Because, uh, anyways, we only have like uh, thirteen letters. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> this, this guy made a hundred words that just basically amount to fuck deaf people. <laughs> What's going on? With this yeah, guy? yeah, really. But at the same time that he was, you know, uh, becoming an honorary Mohawk, he also was, uh, as as his Wikipedia says, uh, you know, casually interested in the science of heredity, uh, which mm-hmm. basically meant he was a huge fucking eugenicist. Yeah. As many were. Yeah. Every oh, yeah. scientist in that period. For sure. Of time, like late 1800 scientists, yeah. like that was your bag, baby. Especially if you're, like North America was really, really big. Oh, yeah. He wrote a lot about it. Uh, his most famous paper on it was titled, Is Race Suicide Possible? Whoa. Yeah. Uh, Wait a minute. So I I read as much of this as I could. <laughs> and it is, it is some pretty wild stuff. He starts by misdefining selection, natural selection, and negative selection. He, he then goes on to say, basically, like, oh, like, negative selection is when you try to select for something, but you get the opposite. For example, in the Middle Ages of Europe, enormous numbers of people were uh, engaging in vows of cel- celibacy, and yet the population went up crazy right (laughs) which like on its face like this is so like scientifically and like historically shot like this makes this is completely false uh but anyway his his thesis is basically the problem with uh you know these values of celibacy and chastity and innocence is that only the good and virtuous and rich will withhold these values while while the lesser stock will continue to breed and then eventually outnumber you so many Uh, climate scientists people say that like you should like it's bad to have kids but if only climate deniers have kids we're gonna have no people that believe in climate change anymore yeah no it's it's the exact same logic uh his idea of of race suicide is basically like oh like white people which he calls native americans uh <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah oh. Uh, <laughs> that makes sense. uh they they are being outbred by immigrants uh and as such their race is committing suicide this is it's basically like the great replacement or yeah. like white genocide but in 1880s speak uh, he goes on for a long time. It gets really, really vile. Uh, so I will it spare you it. <laughs> yeah, it, it gets more vile. But anyway. Don't talk uh, about my Mohawk brother that way. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dean, you are denigrating a person of color. Yeah, I'm sorry. come on now. But yeah, Alexander Graham Bell pretty much wanted nothing to do with the business side of he the company. He was Scottish, right? He was Scottish, mm-hmm. but Reagan. he spent most of his life in Sorry. Canada. Yeah, we should drop into the sea too. Yeah. Along with the Scots. That's right. <laughs> uh, anyway, the the Bell Company 
made a shitload of money. Uh, they joined forces with this uh, American National Telephone Company, which became Bell. In 1914, they were granted a monopoly by the Canadian government. That was <laughs> there just like, you go. <laughs> yeah, they were like, here's your monopoly. Uh, they built uh, a ton of long-distance uh, telephone uh, lines, uh, basically from the Maritimes to the foothills of the Rockies. Uh, they sold them all for quick cash and then started to buy them back in like the mid-20th century. Um, what a weird business model. <laughs> well, this is over the course of 100 years. Oh, very strange. Uh, yeah. Let's just give them back. No, no, no. We want them. Yeah, they 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 bought all of these back. They fought with uh, Telus and Rogers uh, to buy up a lot of these. Like Telus bought a lot of like rural Quebec. They were like uh, oh. in rural rural Quebec, uh, rural Ontario. There were tons of like tiny little telecommunications companies that like would sprang up to like deal with like one region. Those are the conversations I'd like to listen in on. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but, like, they, they fought, like, these, like, regional wars over, like, who could buy, like, you know, the Thunder Bay, uh, like, telephone companies, stuff, stuff killed. like that. Like, these are bloody wars. Yeah. <laughs> they would just go into the town and be like, this belongs to us now. Yeah, they basically controlled all of Canadian telecommunications uh, until 1956, where there was an antitrust act uh, signed into law. Uh, and they've been fighting against that ever since. Uh, basically, for the next uh, few decades, by the time, like, by, like, 1997, the federal government had more or less fully deregulated telecommunications. Oh, that's good. Uh, and Bell, <laughs> like, had, you, like, began to, you know, reassert their massive monopoly that they, they had. And uh, things have been great since. And I've I actually, like, since 1997, I've never heard anyone complain about the <laughs> yeah, Bell about Company. Bell. So. <laughs> well, now they're number one. So uh, That's right, baby. good job, guys. So, yeah. So there's basically two main schools of thought from what I was reading about what we should do to fix our massive issues with telecommunications companies in the fact that everyone hates them and they're extremely expensive and there's only three of them. So that's the main issue. Right. Again, there was the one I was talking about. Um, so I have another person that's arguing for this um, from rabble.ca, David Christopher in 2013. Rabble.ca. Rabble. Mm-hmm. With our high prices, we have uh, some of the worst service. Uh, he's arguing for open communication networks. So again, opening the pipelines and towers. Um, and, but he was arguing this eight years ago. So this has been an ongoing problem. And he actually compares it to FedEx deciding whether UPS and DHL get to use the roads on a given day. <laughs> They're just like, right, no, no. Right. Yeah. Uh, this is just for us. So basically every author I've, I had read up until this point had seen it as just like, well, the solution is just to open up the lines and let a bunch of little companies compete. And with all the competition, a quote from this article, he said, there will be incentives for investment, world-class tech, innovations, and empowered customers. So they're basically saying like, competition is great. Free marketed. But I was like, I don't believe that this is the only option for solving our internet woes here. So um, another opinion piece from Rabble, from Jerry Kaplan, he argues that they should be brought under public ownership as everyone hates them anyway, and they're extremely slow and confusing with very poor customer service so the natural argument of like oh you know private companies are more efficient like uh, more streamlined can like Mm -hmm. handle customer service better no they can't like name a more infuriating thing than dealing with bell and rogers the idea is like they're going to be competing to have better customer service but what actually happens is they compete with each other to pay the least amount of money 
Mm-hmm. To their right? employees. And to their yeah. employees. Yeah. And, and to, you know, and to hire the least amount of people. And like, to that's extract the, the most money from their customers. Yeah, yeah. that's the competition yeah. is, you know, how can we do this as, even if it's inefficient, but like as efficiently as possible and make the most amount of money. And I think all three of them just kind of go, yeah, we have shitty service. Like, we're just going to deal with it. Like, yeah. no one expects good service from any of the three of them. So yeah. we just sort of go, Fuck okay. You. What are you going to do about it? Yeah, yeah. I, I have two points about this. One is that a, a lot of uh, when people say, uh, oh, we need to nationalize these companies, they're horrible, their services are terrible. The the response generally that I've seen is, well, Canada is like a massive country. We're just, we not, we're not very densely populated and it's really difficult for these telecom companies to give proper service to rural areas, which... Which y- even, y- you even should if, fucking be forced yeah, to. Yeah, exactly. Like it's a, yeah, we, we should <laughs> have fixed that by now because, again, the internet and telecommunications in general are necessary for life. Yeah. But B, even if you accept that argument on its face, the majority of this country, like where we live, very densely populated. There should be no problem. Like the area between Toronto and Montreal, that should not be an issue. Right. Uh, like we should not have these massive telephone bills, this like really slow service that uh, is sometimes the case. Yeah. Like Like pretty much if you're along the 401, that should be considered populated enough that you should be able to get proper service. Exactly. And and it should be cheap as shit. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And secondly, and I don't know if you're going to get into this, like, I I don't know if you're going to like, do you have anything about yelling at the NDP about this? I don't know. Well, the NDP generally, their stance right now is that we need more, like more in line of like the first article that you mentioned. Uh, we need more competition, which is just so fucking stupid because that's what everyone says. But say you're the NDP and you come out with like, oh, we're going to nationalize uh, like telecom services. Uh, you're not going to have to pay your bills anymore. It's just going to be part of your taxes uh, or like part of your utilities. It's going to be like, you know, we're going to cut the price by like to like one twentieth, one thirtieth of what you're paying right now. Because, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when we nationalize, it'll be a lot easier. Those jobs aren't going anywhere uh, because we're just taking them over and we're like rolling them into government employment. If you do that, if there's one thing in this country that everyone can agree on, it's how much you fucking hate Bell yeah. or Rogers right. or Telus. Yeah. Like you despise you'll, you'll th- even this go fucking with, company. You'll even go with a company that's owned by them that doesn't have their name. Yeah. Yeah. And pay more. Yeah. Just, just because just you to don't not want deal to deal with them. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Even though you still yeah. have to deal like, with them. Like I I could be talking to a seventy year old, like died in the wool conservative who uh, you know, doesn't believe COVID is real. And both of us will vehemently agree that we fucking hate Bell. Yeah. Like if NDP comes out and they're like, we're going to kill this company, you will never have to say the word Bell again. Massively popular. Oh, yeah. Everyone would love that shit. Wow. But they're not going to do it. No, you're, you're right, though. It's, it's, it's... it's such a slam dunk and they're just never going to do it. Yeah. And I have one more article to finish this off here. Again, I found another person that was arguing for nationalization. So this is a Jacobin article by Dan Dara. And it's it starts off actually uh, late last year 
talking about how Bell, Telus, and Rogers took millions of dollars from the Canada Emergency Wage Subsidy, which was meant for small businesses. <laughs> yeah. um, they And the year they took, uh, so at CEWS, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. they also paid their shareholders and still lay off workers, which was specifically what the money for uh, Sue's was telling you not to do. Um, so Bell actually received $122.8 million from the, the wage subsidy program. All taxpayer money. Cool. Um, so some other companies that took this money, Imperial Oil, Extendicare, Leon's, Chorus. Um, so there was actually 68 big companies that they found that received together more than $1 billion in public God. money through this program and paid uh, out more than $5 billion to their shareholders in the same year. Great. Yeah, they needed the money. They're staying home, too. They're <laughs> clapping for the cares. What have they done to not earn that? And even I saw, like, a really businessy guy, like a, some business prof from Western, saying, like, shareholders are supposed to be with you through the ups and the downs. Oh they they took God. the risks. No, he was, he was saying, like, you shouldn't have to yeah. pay your shareholders during a pandemic Just, because they accepted the risk when they bought the shares. Right, so it's like that's what the fact are. that their number one priority is to take public money and pay out their shareholders immediately, like, fuck off. It also is a sign of a failing business in general. Mm. Like, when that's your number one priority. But they all did it. Like, every major business in Canada did it, essentially. Because they all fucking suck. Um, and the article also highlighted the fact that Bell overcharges prisoners for phone calls yes. because yep. they control the prison phones. And they specifically cut funding to rural broadband investments um, last year or the year before. They cut, like, over a billion dollars in funding. Rogers made sorry $1.7 billion in 2020 and still got the wage subsidy. And they got it because they said the year before they had gotten two point one billion. So they're like, okay, well, we lost money. So, <laughs> hem, hem, <laughs> give us this money. Um, liberals, basically, in response to this, just said that's bad. Don't do that. Um, Stop. <laughs> and said that the money has to be for paying workers, but they didn't actually punish any of these companies or uh, talk about them paying it back at all. Uh, compare that to CERB, where they were like, okay, we're setting up a hotline to like rat out people for cheating if you on see CERB. Your fucking neighbor. Yeah, sir. <laughs> we will come guns blazing. Yeah, my neighbor is the CEO of Bell. Uh, yeah, I live next door to Justin Trudeau, and he was taking sir Aaron O'Toole. Is that you? Uh, <laughs> swatting the prime minister via the Serb barbaric practices hotline. And there was a really good uh, quote in this article. So, quote: Of course, in the eyes of the government and the business press, there's nothing egregiously fraudulent about corporations ransacking billions from public coffers and giving it to their friends. The difference between Sues and Serb recipients is that the former are job creators and innovators. Uh -huh. They drink crystal, live in Rose Dale and went to the same private schools as those who work in parliament. And I was like, damn. It's very so, true, though. Yeah. It is true. And then at the end, um, he argues for nationalization of the industry, which would end price gouging, underperformance, and the hemorrhaging of capital to shareholders. And I love that phrasing, the hemorrhaging of capital to shareholders, because no one ever talks about paying out shareholders like that. But it's just giving rich people like extra money yeah. for ha like for because they bought this share one time because they had money to buy it. And like, And they didn't do anything. Yeah. yeah. They're just so. letting it accumulate. Anyway, that was my end of my research on... Um, why we should nationalize the telecom companies and why they're evil. So And Megan, you're right again. Thank you. I know. She never misses. All right. Don't steal my job here. Look. <laughs> standing for Megan is a job creation market. I, <laughs> I don't appreciate the competition. It seems like, yeah, telecom is another in a long line of just monstrous industries that we just let exist. Even yeah. though 
just like with the pharmaceutical industry, everybody's like, this fucking sucks. But at least with the pharmaceutical industry, you can get lots of cool pills that, you know, make you feel nothing or you can kill yourself with. Right. You can't kill yourself with a phone. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not killing myself with like fiber optic download speeds. Yeah. yeah. It just makes you want to after you're on hold with Bell for the, <laughs> the 90th day in a row yeah, right, because yeah. they overcharged you by like two times last month and you're like, cool, thank you. Yeah. No, I think I think, and what Dean was saying too is is right. Is that like across the board, everyone hates these fucking companies. Mm-hmm. So then, why don't you do the most popular thing in the world and say you would never have to deal with it ever again? <laughs> We're going to end this, it's but over. but yeah. we know why, right? We are money, 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 and there's just so much framing that like more competition is the way to go which like boo yeah that's but. we need we need small business internet <laughs> 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 running it like the way they run cafes and pizza parlors though just yeah. like screaming at everybody all the time yeah, yeah. it's, all, it's like, all like 15 year old <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, got, you got a big a big lady with a short haircut who's running it like the navy <laughs> yeah yeah they're, they're stealing wages from their staff and then they go home and they got like a four car garage and like <laughs> yeah. a sea do in the la- in the back <laughs> Shout out to the small business owners. Yeah, yeah we love right. small businesses. This episode's for you. <laughs> All right. Every episode. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Anyone have anything else to add? No, I think I think we've hit our we've hit our our burst limit for today. Yeah. Uh, we covered everything from Bolivia to Alberta and back again. And I hope you folks have enjoyed another sterling edition of the Late Late Capitalism Show. We're going to keep it churning and burning for you for the foreseeable future. Thank you for listening, and uh, stay safe. Please, for the love of God, stay safe. <laughs>